Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast video edition. It's been quite a while since we've done anything here on YouTube, so welcome back. You're going to see me kind of look over here every once in a while to make sure this is working. We've got a lot of new equipment going right now that, that man, I'm telling you, I've done extremely minimal dry runs. I've just kind of tinkered around with it here and there for a few minutes. I've not really put a whole lot of time into it, I'll admit. Um... I'm, I'm, I have a hard time with all the preparation stuff in regards to technology and equipment. I've realized that that part of me is just kind of, uh, I'm not really into that anymore. Um, I would love to have a dedicated space where I could just sit down and all this stuff is already seated, sitting out ready for me to record, but I don't have that. Today I'm actually sitting out in our camper. Um, it's a rainy day. I'm, I'm not out working. Everything that I've got to do here at our farm, pause. We're just going to sit and we're going to talk for a few minutes. I'm glad you're you're watching today. You can always find us online at pathtozion.com. That is the main site for the podcast, which of course is 98% audio only. Um, basically, two to four episodes are posted every week right now in case you're not familiar with what we do there. And otherwise, of course, here on YouTube, you can follow our channel. Maybe we'll do more videos in the future. I don't know. Um, if you if you listen to the broadcast with any regularity, you know that, the, that I'm always referencing these teaching series that are in process. I've got one right now that I'm almost done with. When I'm done recording this today, uh, my hope is to get back inside and get all my Bibles and books and, and, and study tools out and, and get finished. The study that I've been doing for way too long, in, in measure anyway, about crowns and the biblical understanding of the word crown. Why are we given crowns? Why are the elders in heaven casting down their crowns? Um, we're going to talk about that in probably great measure. I'm not really sure how long it's going to be. It will be multiple parts, of course. I've been waffling back and forth about doing video editions of those um, studies that I've been finding. And I'm telling you right now, I've, I've alluded to this a little bit in uh, podcast episodes, just in the audio ones. In very little measure, I have talked about how when I have started to study and this goes back weeks ago. It's, I started this a, a while ago now. Um, when we start thinking about the understanding of why we are given elements to make a crown, why in the world are we given anything like that? What do we do with it? Why is it something that's been bestowed to us by the King of Kings? What's going on? What are we to do? What does it mean? And most importantly... What does it culminate in if we rightly hold, receive, fashion, if you will, a crown out of these elements? What do we do with that? Um, and what is the entire purpose within it? Now, I don't want to go any further than that, um, but I'm just telling you, when, when you see that that series posts, I want to encourage you, man, I need to watch that. Because I've shared this with several people over the last several weeks when, when I started studying this out, something in me, I felt shift in, in my heart towards, and, I, and even as I say it, I just, 
I feel it rising up in me and, I, and I'm trying to appropriate it to my life, how I live, why I do what I do. Why do I believe what I believe? Why am I still here in a body of flesh? What am I doing? What are you doing? What are we doing here if in fact we're regenerated Christ men who have all these things we talk about all the time. What do we do with this life that yet remains post-regeneration? Why are we here? Part of the understanding of the why are we here is found within the crown reality. And I'm just going to tell you as a little bit of a teaser, plant a little bit of a seed. If you give yourself to this teaching when it's finally done, I believe in faith. It could possibly take your understanding of why you do what you do, why you believe what you do, why you have a word of your testimony, why you pray, why you fast, why you go spread the gospel, the good news. Why do you do these things? It might shift entirely. It might take you from here and shift some things and be like, wow, this, this is the fuel behind every single thing that I do. I mean, it's, when I give myself to it, which is not all the time, admittedly, you know, these things we have to put on, we have to, we have to practice, we have to go through, we have to train, train, train ourselves, what? To appropriate these things when the, when the truth comes through this eternal word, when the truth comes through here and we, we study to show ourselves approved, well, what do we do with what we learn? If we simply add it to ourselves and our intellect like some sort of categorical library, if it, if it remains just shelved, if you will, as mere understanding, what for? What is the purpose? Well, this, this crown study stuff, there has a, it has a great purpose to be acquainted with and applied to every single thing we do and why. And so... Man, I wish it were done right now. I, I would love to do it. It will probably be, it would probably be, I'm presuming, probably three 30-minute parts is, is kind of my guess. Um, it's probably similar in content uh, as far as quantity to the Yom Kippur study that we did several weeks ago. If you've not listened to that, please go listen to that so that we understand the great high priest, Yeshua Messiah, Pointing all the way back to what? The original high priest understanding. If we don't have this connection of the two, they're lacking. Both sides. There's no point in understanding the, the original high priest's function if we don't follow it all the way through into Yeshua, becoming the great high priest. And there's no sense in us knowing that Yeshua, the Son of the Most High, became the great high priest, capital G, if we don't understand the original high priest, if we don't know who he was, the original high priest, we cannot in fullness know the great high priest. Um, I, I talked just one second ago about the gospel. The word of our testimony is, is a component of that. But one thing I talked about was we go and we proclaim the good news. We, we tell the good news. We proclaim the good news to the nations, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to strangers at the store. We proclaim, what? Glad tidings, good news. I want to talk about that for a few minutes. 
our whiteboard teaching this morning um, at our house was out of two verses specifically where I extracted this word good news in the in the Old Testament and the New and we, we excuse me put them side by side and we just kind of talked about them for a few minutes I want to read these two verses just to kind of set the table of what I want to talk about for just a few minutes um, Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 says the spirit of Adonai Elohim is upon me because Adonai has anointed me to announce good news okay 1 Peter 1.25, we skip all the way through. We pass through Yeshua Messiah out the other side. And what do we hear? Moreover, the word is the good news which has been proclaimed to you. And it would do us all good to remember that the good news gospel, okay, the good news, like here we are in the year 2020, and the church, when she rightly holds her function and her position and her her, her purpose, she goes out and she tells the word of her testimony. And it's the, it's, the, it's the multiplicity of the kingdom of one man who encounters God, Yahweh God, and yields his will to the Father, says, I love your law, I will keep your commands, I will, I will literally lose my life into the Son, therefore I will find it, and and I am given all these things. And more importantly, I have become this new regenerated man. And now I have something to proclaim. Why were thousands and thousands of people being added to the, the New Testament version of the church? The post-Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 church. We know post Post-Pentecost could be like all the way back because, of course, Pentecost was not a new idea and it was not some new event where people just happened to be there. This was something that was ongoing for years and years and years where the people of God gathered and assembled to celebrate holy days, marked convocations and gatherings to observe, what? The feasts of the Lord, Okay. So this good news gospel, and what I want to do is I want to make this connection because a lot of people who listen, and in this case watch this program, understand these things, and not just understand them, they, they live according to them even more than I do. This is still a new connection for me, for, for my wife and I. Um, we have just finished a fir our first full cycle of the feasts of the Lord. We, we came into this, which I don't like to use verbiage, but just to be able to explain what I'm talking about. When, when, when the Lord started leading us to feasts and Sabbath, His ancient ways, the continuance of, of His commands, something started to shift in us. And again, if you listen to this program, you, knew, you know that this is nothing new in, as far as topic goes. But the expansion of the fullness of what? That culminates in what we're going to talk about today. The good news, the glad tidings, the, the expansion of what the good news even is. And that's the crux of what I want to talk about for just a few minutes today, is that the good news gospel is ancient. Now, that may sound simple, and it is in measure, but it's become complicated in the modern day church because of 
of the teaching that that started, you know, fourth, fifth century of just the decline of the Jewish connection of the ancient people of God as, as all of those traditions that were good and right and pleasing to the Father began to be stifled and removed, the good news gospel, somehow the understanding of what that even is, shifted to a only post-Jesus reality. That everything somehow, whether whether clearly spoken or just insinuated through teachings and, and, and slanted doctrines, started to project and insert successfully into the church that all of that old stuff was done away with. We know, we talk about that a lot. We talk about it all the time. It was eradicated by the God-man and replaced a a a new religion has been started in this god man Jesus and the good news has come right the good news has come in an Emmanuel god man well yes that's true in measure in part but but I would say from my own perspective the best way to explain this properly and biblically in fullness is Yeshua Messiah, the Emmanuel God-man. Yes, in fact, he came, and there was a shift of the of heavens and earth. Yes. But what that was was a continuance of what had already been. And that's what we're talking about in, even in, and this is all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible. But in Isaiah, because for the sake of time, that, that Adonai has anointed me to announce good news. Okay? And this good news gospel was not a New Testament idea where we've been given hope now. We've been given a way in. Yahweh God has always been extending himself through the good news glad tidings reality since the creation of humanity. He was not an angry, vengeful, wrathful, evil, evil, well, the Christian church would not say evil, Although the verbiage is kind of lends to that, like this angry, justice, wrath-filled God. And then he came as Jesus. And now he's suddenly, let's just be honest, he's different now. God, Yahweh, now he's just different. He's changed. I mean, I'd, we could argue this point all day long and the church would never dare say out of her mouth, God changed because, well, we know that opposes Scripture. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He and His ways never change. We say that, but then we act as though the, the majority church, just the Christian church that I've known my whole 47, well, most of my life, <laughs> the doctrines and the teachings and, the again, the bend is towards what? Something new started in Jesus that God just was not doing too well before then. God had a bunch of hoops to jump through that I was always told my whole life men could not do. What was going on was not sufficient for men to be redeemed, deemed righteous, which we have a real problem with men like Abraham. Well, what about him? And what about this prophet? And we have easy questions that come with that mentality, but that is the broad doctrine that we've heard our whole lives if you've been in the church. So the question really is, are we in any way ourselves, are you in any way walking in a replacement theology that you don't even really realize that says somehow God changed? There wasn't good news before. It was condemnation and it was wrath and it was 
God's anger and it was smoke and fire and lightning and shaking and clouds. But somehow God changed. He became a man. And he's just different now. Now we don't really have Yahweh God. We have a man, Jesus. Friends, I would tell you right now, if in fact that's your understanding, I would submit in humility to maybe study and search the scriptures to see if that's in fact in any way true. If if that is really in your thinking, whether known or unknown, we have to ask these questions. That's what I'm always saying on this program. Someone has got to ask questions. Questions are good, you know. Questions are, are healthy for us. Questions allow us to sit back and say, why do I believe this, 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 and this? Why do I believe that? A lot of times, it's because when we were children in our Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Protestant, Christian American heritage, something was placed within us that was a seed of thought that became a perpetual doctrine and a foundational principle that God did something. Now, just think about this, right? Through this verbiage. We're saying, in many ways, the broad way majority Christian church says God had a, a, a way, a, a pattern intact that men could not rightfully attain, fulfill, accomplish. The law. He gave them something they could not do. I was told that my whole life that Jesus came, that God became flesh and dwelled among us. Why? Because man couldn't keep the law. Because man couldn't keep God's hard law. So Jesus came, God changed, gave us something we could do, which is, now even this, like chew on this for a second. I mean, really think about this. The, doc, the, the wide way doctrine says, now you can just easily be in Jesus and you're good with God. If you just accept Jesus, this mysterious receive Jesus in your heart doctrine, which is not biblical, if you just do that, don't worry about all the law keeping. Don't worry about all these things. That's just stuff men could never do. Although De Deuteronomy tells us clearly these things, God's Torah, his law, it's not too difficult for you. It's not too far beyond your reach. Oh, I thought man couldn't please God. And if we say that, what about Abraham? I keep thinking of him over and over again. What about Abraham? He was deemed righteous by faith. By faith in Yeshua? Jesus? No. There was no Jesus. There was no Savior at that time in flesh and blood body, right? So there's some questions we have to ask, and I, I'm not even on topic, really. But this good news, okay? In the Old Testament, it was this word in Hebrew, it's basar. Basar, okay? It's basically synonymous with the New Testament Greek word for good news, glad tidings, which is, and I'll, I'll change it a little bit for the sake of speaking it correctly because I'm no Greek scholar. It's basically evangelizo. Evangelizo. Okay, evangelism, evangelize. Yahweh has always been about bringing good news down to mankind, to, to humanity. I mean, think about this. 
what was being proclaimed before, during, and immediately after Yeshua, post-cross, post post-resurrection, post-ascension, post-upper room experience. What was being proclaimed then? Okay, what were men like Shaul, Paul, after his conversion, what was he teaching? Was he teaching Revelation? No. He was teaching 1 Peter. No. Oh, he was teaching... You, you know what I'm saying? What he taught was the law and the prophets. They recounted and remembered the entire timeline of Yahweh God working with men, extending himself to his people, that timeline that continued all the way through what I'm always saying, Yeshua, the gate, the door, the way, the truth, the life, out the other side, connecting the what was, the what is not yet, and the what was happening with the God-man Emmanuel reality to what? Unless you are true blood Jewish, for you, for me, the Gentile people, right? The, the Goyim people, the, the nations, me, the man who had no way in except for some things that are very precise. And we talked about them in four, before in past episodes, but in very small measure about ways that the, the, the foreigner, the sojourner, how they could, they could come into the people of God. Even back then, there was a way in of, according to certain parameters, according to certain things that you literally had to do. But see, here we are now, fast forward to 2020, you don't have to do anything, is what most of the church says. We talk about that almost every episode. You don't have to do anything. Just believe and poof. Be in Jesus. Just be in Jesus. Okay, well, how do I do that? Because he told me, if you love me, keep my commands. Oh, commands? I thought we don't do commands. We couldn't do commands. That's why Jesus came. You see how we had this is broken down like a like a wall and a wrecking ball. Easily, easily assaulted these doctrines that we have just adopted, and it's just normal rhetoric for us, normal belief, yet not biblically biblically accurate whatsoever. It's just not. The full gospel, okay, full from we talked about this this morning in our breakfast table. The gospel began when, when Yahweh God breathed his Ruach breath, life, into first Adam that he formed out of the dust. Why? Because God knew in his sovereign perfection that at the outset, the, 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 the literal breathing into the dust of man, he's going to deny me. He's going to fall. He's going to rebel. He will be a disobedient son. We don't know the timeline. Pretty quick. And the trajectory from there, because God has no beginning and no end, he already knew that there would need to be a redemption plan in place. If you've read the extra biblical books, we talked about some of them the other day with the book of Jasher, but there are some other writings. Um, Lost Books of the Bible is a good one to look up if you're interested in that stuff. And one of the things that it talks about is well, is that really what happened, Joel? Is that really, do you know? Is that in Genesis? No, it's not. But as I've said in, in previous episodes, talking about extra biblical books, if it presses me 
into the Word more and more and more and gets me to thinking constantly about the expansion of what possibly could have taken place, man, I'm intrigued. It doesn't threaten my doctrine. It doesn't cause me to stray. It doesn't cause me to live in some fantasy world that's just make-believe. It drives me to hear. It drives me to dig. And one of the things in the stories and accounts that we could say, well, is that really true? I'm just saying, let's just say it's speculative. Who, who knows, right? No way to prove it. It talks about the moment when Yahweh God has a conversation with Adam and Eve and literally reveals to them his redemption plan. That, that Adam, first Adam is told by Yahweh God, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to redeem your fall and rebellion. I'm going to take what you did, Adam, and I'm going to redeem it by becoming encased and wrapped up in flesh and blood for you and for your offspring and for the descendants upon the earth. I'm going to do that. He, he In this account, he tells Adam of what? Good news. And so let's just be clear and cautious and careful because people want to discard things. Let's say that that's not true. Let's say that that conversation never happened. It is clear throughout Scripture from the very beginning that Yahweh God is constantly, constantly, constantly extending mercy, compassion, forgiveness, reconciliation, redemption over and over and over and over and over throughout the entire text. Throughout the timeline of history, God is declaring himself as good news. The glad tidings is he himself. It's him extending himself to man. He has always done that. He has always been an Elohim of Elohims who is near to his people and constantly making a way for them to rightly come to him and know him and and be in intimate relationship with him. Countless times we see that. We could, we could record until this hard drive runs out of space and not even scratch the surface of God's good news to men. It did not start in Bethlehem at Magdal Edar at the Tower of the Flock where all the sacrificial lambs were laid and Yeshua the God-man comes through the womb of a woman, a womb of a virgin, and supernaturally enters into the earth with no earthly father, but a heavenly father alone. Set apart, distinct from day one. No dirty stable, no cows, no hay and poo here, there, and everywhere. And that may sound silly, but I'm serious as I can be. This is a God-ordained good news reality. And as awesome as that is, it didn't start there. It was a perpetual continuation of what had always been in motion that was coming through the God-man reality. Why? To redeem all nations and bring them into himself. To purchase me, a Gentile, on the outside. To go out and get me and receive me unto himself. Okay? It didn't start there, though. It didn't start on the cross. It didn't start when he resurrected. It didn't start when the Holy Spirit descended in tongues of fire in the upper room. The gospel is ancient. The full gospel, the good news, okay? 
the ongoing story of Yahweh pursuing a people, they had just witnessed the God-man. You know, when, when Shaul, Paul, and Peter, they're starting to proclaim this gospel, the good news, again, it was not a new idea. It was the, the, the now moment of the gospel. It was the now moment of the glad tidings, just like we have now. We, if we're doing it right and well, we go all the way back to the beginning of the good news reality, which is from the very outset, Yahweh God, what do we say? He's clothing Adam and Eve. He is, he is providing for them. He's caring for them. He's preserving their life. He's always giving a chance and another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. I'm thinking right now of Sodom. What happened in Sodom? Yahweh God sends messengers to come down, take Lot and his family out. Come on. We don't want to. Come on. We don't want to. Now we've got to go. They grab them physically. The messengers do. Grab them physically. We've taught on this before a year or two ago. They grab them by the arm and take them out and remove them from the city. Yahweh God, Old Testament and New, is a God of good news. Always. Always. Passover, the Passover lamb, the Passover blood, the, the deliverance out of Egypt, all of these things, God has always been a God of good news. Always. I think it would do us good to connect these things. People in the New Testament had continued to be trained and led into the ancient way. This continued to move into the future, post-Yeshua, post-Jesus just as it always had with the addition of the Emmanuel God-man into the story, if you will, that was new at that moment. A new experience, a new reality. The, the, the Emmanuel reality was fresh. You understand what I'm saying? That part, of course, was new because it had just taken place on the earth. But they were taught the ongoing star, story of Yahweh pursuing a people. With these that, I mean, imagine for a moment that your great-great-grandfather walked with Messiah or, or was in a city where, where Yeshua was, was teaching or healed someone. And that was like, because again, we're talking like without much time passing, it was only a generation or two away, perhaps, in many instances, of the the passing on of the personal account of, man, my great uncle Bill, he was in the room when Yeshua opened blinded eyes. He was standing in the multitudes when a woman was delivered from demons. My brother's uncle's cousin's neighbor's mom was down the road when he went and embraced the leper. Do you understand this reality? These are not fables and fantasy stories. This is real life, friends. Real life. The good news. The good news that is old and ancient as mankind. Yahweh God made a way through Yeshua Messiah into a, a, an in-gathering of the nations. A way for men to come to him and be deemed righteous, set apart, and invited into becoming his holy people. 
Acts 21-25, Paul talks about what? We, we know this, and in circles that I operate in now, there's a lot of, of constant discussion about the, the origin of the New Testament church. They were instructed to do certain things. Uh, a, a very elementary way of understanding it is they were instructed to start here. Start with this. Don't eat animals strangled. You know, some blood references. Basically, it shoots you back to the core of the Torah in Leviticus. Look, there's a lot, there's a lot you don't understand. Again, we have to remember these are men talking to men. These are men discipling men, human beings like us. And these foreigners come in, receive Yeshua Messiah, and just like all of us have done, hopefully, hopefully we've done this, we find anyone who is already in, and we say, you've got to tell me what I'm supposed to do. And friends, that's the breakdown in the, in the organized church. This is where the organized church struggles to no end. People say they, they encounter Messiah. The, the Holy Spirit becomes alive in them and stirs them and draws them in repentance and turning. And they come to the Father via the Son and they, they have an encounter where they are moved from darkness to light to the kingdom of the Son. And they say, now what? Now what? And sadly, sadly, it grieves my heart to no end. For the most part, the, the corporation, organized church says, come to services? And that's kind of it. I'm, I'm kind of pausing for, for crickets to chirp. Come to services, do Bible studies, find a, a few friends that you're kind of close with and We'll pray for you, brother. <laughs> and what's happened, friends? What's happened? What fruit has that produced in my generation of Christianity? Oh, man. It's a sad condition. She, we don't have time for all that, and I don't want to rant on the church. It grieves me. It brings sadness to my heart. Why? Because Paul made it clear, you know what? This is what you do. You start here. And you know where you start? You start in the heart of Torah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, wait, here go all my all my listeners, all my followers. Bloop, 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 bloop. It's okay. We have, to, we have to speak the truth because he didn't say all these things that we could name off that would make us good Christians. Well, just be like Jesus, man. No, you start right here. You start here. It's part of the good news message. It's part of it. It's a component of the true full gospel. Okay, so they started with keeping what? Traditions. Oh, man, so many people in my life. Oh, don't you talk about traditions? I left all that when I left the church or we're not traditional. Do you see the clothes we wear? We don't wear suits like my grandpa did when he did revival services. And my my great uncle, who was a deacon, look at me. We're free from traditions. Well, there are traditions that should be kept, friends. When, when, when Paul was talking about traditions, he was talking about what traditions to leave. He was saying oral traditions, the outside external boundaries that the teachers of the law added, the addition of Torah, as if that wasn't enough. And that's man's attempt to help God. Boundaries. We're going to help build more boundaries. But Paul said, 
And we'll go on and we'll look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He tells the young church at Corinth, now, new believers, I praise you because you have remembered everything I told you. Okay, we know some of what that is that he's told them. And you observe the traditions just the way I pass them on to you. Okay, so Shaul, Paul is saying to the young Corinthian church, the new believers, the expansion of God's people on the earth, the people who literally, and man, if we could just talk about this every waking second of our lives, who had this revelation that we lack now, especially in Christian America, of privilege and elitism, where we are born God, guns, and ugh, all this stuff, right? We have this special elitist privilege. We're good. We're godly, man. This is a godly nation. We're the godliest people on the earth. Don't even get me started. These people understood. I'm a Gentile, man. I shouldn't know God. I shouldn't be able to keep the feast. I'm allowed in the synagogue and Sabbath? Me? Are you kidding me? Friends, oh my goodness, if the church would realize that revelation, it would literally overhaul the entire capital C church on the earth right now. If we realize we have no privilege, no right to be in the people of God, aside from Yeshua Messiah and what? The good news of Yahweh God. The good news. It's the only way in. All right, everything's still working. Good. I just had to check. I hate it. If you ever recorded stuff, if you do anything like this, man, sometimes I've been into an audio recording and I'm like 30 minutes in and man, I'm just like, hammering out the word of the Lord <laughs> and you look down oh my gosh my recorder stopped and none of that was saved <laughs> it's good to look now and then to be clear all right so we're in first Corinthians chapter 11 and, and and Paul's saying I'm proud of you man I love you guys he even says I praise you because you observe the traditions just the way I pass them on to you well friends what was passed on what was a tradition? If I could look up a dictionary right now, what is a tradition? A tradition is something of a heritage that has been passed on generation to generation to generation to generation. A, a tradition is something that is old that continues to gener generationally be passed on to your sons and your sons' sons throughout all generations. Now, does that sound familiar? Hmm. Seems to me when you look at Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all the outset, if you will, of the laws of God, of the feasts, of Sabbath, for every generation, for every generation. How do we get away from that? How do we get to a place of replacement thinking that thinks we are somewhere above the generational keeping of the traditions of Yahweh Elohim. I don't understand that. Now, here's the thing. Until a year ago, I was like most Christians. Ignorant. Just ignorant. I have been taught that everything Paul said replaced everything that preceded him. I was just normal. But now, for whatever reason, something beyond me is like, the, the scales have fallen off my eyes and everything's like, holy cow, how did I not see that before? How in the world did I not see that? Someone tell me. 
I'd ask that, and they said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why either. I don't know why I see it, and I don't know why I see it, and I don't know why they don't, and they don't. It's, it's something the Father himself orchestrates. It's beyond us. So what was he telling them? He was telling them the eternal, ancient, good news reality. The Basar reality. He was telling them of the Basar of Yahweh Elohim. That had come all the way through Emmanuel, Yeshua, Messiah, man. That's what he was telling them. He couldn't have told them. First Peter. He couldn't have told them. First John. He was teaching them the law and the prophets. And guess what? Start here. The heart of the Torah. Start there, friends. Start there. The only traditions to be abandoned, as we already said, were those of oral tradition. The additional rules, not Yahweh's commands. How foolish would it be for Yahweh God, who never changes, to say, this is what happens for my people and how they come to me. Poof. Eh. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm changing everything. Why would he do that? It makes no sense. Okay, so we must be clear and we'll bring this to a close. I don't even know how long we've been talking. Holy cow, 40 minutes. The good news gospel, again, did not start in the Emmanuel reality. It didn't start in Bethlehem. Probably, for a lot of you, it didn't start in the way that you even think it started in Bethlehem. <laughs> we don't, for the most part, we don't even know that. Friends, I just want to say this, and we're going to bring this to a close. How open are you to giving yourself to ask the question, maybe, maybe I have replaced the ancient good news reality, the glad tidings that has always been. Maybe I've, I've neglected all of that and called it bad, wrong, too hard, removed, and all of my stock is in Jesus and asking him into my heart. Friends, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be honest because I don't love you because I don't know you, but I love the opportunity to say, I believe God is extending something more to his people in this hour. Man, I'm telling you, we are finding people everywhere we look. I'm not kidding. Who are what? Rediscovering the ancient way. Rediscovering the ancient way. Everywhere. I mean, popping out of the woods. Yeah, we do that. Yeah, we do feasts. Yeah, we keep Sabbath. Yeah, we we don't do Christmas and Easter. No way. It's pagan. What? I'm not crazy? I didn't just come up with this because I had a dream last night after eating 10 burritos? This is... Maybe this is real. <laughs> There's something that has got to shift in the church. And I'm telling you, the press that's coming in these last days... I believe it's going to do it. I believe that's what's going to propel many people who have just been cruising. Man, I'm thinking right now of another teaching I've got to do that came out in a verse I read yesterday. Holy cow. People's eyes are going to be open. There's, oh my goodness, I can't even go there. I want to. There's going to be two people. I'm going to say this and we'll leave it for another time, another episode. There's going to be two people in days ahead. And you can call me a prophet or you can call me a crazy man. I don't care which one. Doesn't much matter to me. But I believe this is the word of the Lord. I really do. It's scripture. It's a verse, man. 
I'm not going to talk about all the verse and everything right now. It'll be for another time. But the but the 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 paraphrased gist of it is there's going to be two men in days that I believe are soon to come. Men who who have the the revel both of these camps are going to have the revelation of the truth. I believe God himself, Yahweh in his goodness and his kindness and his good news reality is going to extend himself to be the ancient eternal one who has always been and has always been towards man. And I believe feasts and Sabbath and his eternal Torah law are going to be brought into front and center to the church. Believers now, believers, believers in Jesus. And then... Again, that covers both categories, both both camps, if you will. One is going to say, maybe, maybe I've been deceived. Maybe I've been lied to. They may get angry. They may get mad. I've met brothers recently who are just stuck. They're not stuck. They're, and I'm, I don't mean, I didn't, I'm not trying to correct what I said other than it was wrong. I'm not trying to soften it at all. They're new in where they are, and they're just mad, justifiably. I've been lied to my whole life. Why have I been told this? And that's not even true. It's good. We have to all start there. We have to be rightly angered. And then we move from there. We move out. We move forward. We progress. And so there's going to be these who have the, who have the revelation come, which I believe is going to be extended to all believers, and perhaps now already is in great measure, and but in much more greater increment in days to come, to believe the ancient way. There's going to be those who say what I just said, I've been lied to. I've been duped. I've missed out on the fullness of the good news. And they're gonna they're gonna be willing to abandon their 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 entire identity. They're gonna have to do it. You've got, to, you've got to be willing to say, maybe I've never known God in fullness. Maybe I've not known him as he is. Maybe I've misunderstood him. And friends, right now, if you can't say that maybe you've not known him in fullness, man, there's a problem right out of the gate. Maybe there's lies in me. And that camp is going to willingly give themselves to the excruciating pain that will, will come about in the willingness to surrender our doctrines, our beliefs, and our limited understanding based upon what we've been taught. Or maybe even what we ourselves have taught. Like myself, I taught it myself. And then there's going to be others who the same revelation, the same idea comes. Mm -mm. No, I won't do it. They cling to what they've been taught their whole life, which is, I don't have to do anything anymore. It's all about grace. It's all about faith. It's all about sitting down and doing nothing, but be covered by the blood of Jesus and grace. And if I do anything, I'm squandering the grace. And they'll miss the fullness. They'll miss what? The full gospel the full glad tidings the full good news because friends Yahweh God the Elohim of Elohims he is bigger than anything we could even compare him to the solar system doesn't touch it 
we will only know him in measure. But man, I want to know him to the most full capacity that I can rightly hold and understand and live out. So I guess that's the culmination of today. What's the full gospel for you? What's the full gospel? You may say, what's this even matter? It doesn't matter. I believe it does. I would encourage you to think about it. Ask the Father, why does it matter, God? What have I missed? What have I forsaken to entirely put myself into the Son, but maybe I've replaced a lot of what you never intended to be replaced? Ask him. See what he says. So I encourage you to do so. Look into the text. I would encourage you to take some time. It would take a, a whole lot of time to connect the, the verbiages of certain words. Look into Septuagint stuff. Old Testament, Hebrew. New Testament, Greek. What are these words, albeit different, different languages, of course. What's saying the same thing on both ends, if you will? of the good news reality that's been recorded and written for us. Look into that. You'll be surprised. So thank you for watching. This is the Path to Zion podcast, video edition. Um, if you want to subscribe here, share it, like it, whatever, that's fine. I, I don't much care. This is never going to be popular, never going to be famous. But if you would share it because it means something or might help someone, my wife and I, are feel, we feel called to be bridge builders. Hey, you're over there. You're over there. Let's come together. Let's be in unity. Let's find unity of the Spirit and talk. Talk about these hard things. So if you want to join in with that, send us an email. Pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com is, is the way to do it. Pathdesign.com, that's the primary hosting place for the audio podcast. Go there. You can subscribe there. You can even sign up for an email list. Old school. Get emails when this is updated. We'll be glad to do it. Let us know where you're listening. We've been picking up people in France. Um, a couple more in the UK yesterday. And listeners in Idaho, Texas, uh, somewhere else out west. I can't remember where it is. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And in this case, thank you for watching. This is the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Amen.